Hello, beautiful. And what I want to know is, what is really good? I mean, really good in your life today. I'm Kia, and this is another episode of the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, Alicia is with me, and she is a Navy veteran, which you know I love. And I am so thrilled to have another shipmate here with me. So she runs an amazing organization called Alicia D. Brown Career Consulting, LLC. And what she does is she helps veterans, which you know I'm about. She helps veterans to find careers. She helps them with resumes and career services. And it's such a beautiful thing to do because there's so many veterans that struggle to find work even today that it's completely shameful. So if you are one of those veterans and you need help writing a resume or any your LinkedIn profile or getting yourself put together in a really professional way, this is the girl to go to, right? So without further ado, I am going to introduce you to this beautiful naturalista, this wife, this mother, this amazing veteran out here doing good work, Alicia. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kia. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to find out about your story. So tell me, what made you join the military? Um, To be honest, and I'm very transparent, uh, it was either ride or die for me. And um, you know how you are in high school and you and mom are just not agreeing and it's like no i'm grown now i'm almost out the house and mom's Mm -hmm. like no this is still my house you still gotta do what i (laughs) say do and it's like you know my way or the highway so i chose the highway Mm -hmm. and the highway ended up being the navy and so um my grandfather actually took me down to the recruiting station and he said okay here are your choices and you can't go to the marines um, so you left with the other ones. So I was like, well, they have water and I knew how to swim. <laughs> so, so I was very intrigued when I saw that large ship out there, uh, floating on the water. And I was like, you know, I think I just want to go over there, not knowing what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the betterment of my life, it would be at the time. It was just, I'm getting out my mama's house. I'm going to be on my own right. and I don't have to deal with this anymore. And so <laughs> I joined the Navy and, uh, yeah, I, I don't regret it at all. I'm very thankful that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandfather was there to save me. He's uh, a military veteran as well. Uh, he was in the uh, army. And so he was like, yeah, you can't go to the army. You can't go to the Marine Corps. So you got to choose something else. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> fine (laughs) so that's how I became a sailor and I loved every bit of it that's amazing you know my grandfather was a navy man and I didn't know that I didn't know that until after I I enlisted and when I told him what I was going to be doing after graduation he like got tears in his eyes he was so proud so yeah it was it was an incredible moment 
to to have that with him. Oh, and so it's it's so beautiful how your grandfather took you. <laughs> <It's nice>. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it actually made me think of it just then. Okay. <laughs> um so tell me now you you're out of mama's house. <laughs> you're like, I'm grown. I'm bye. Yes. <laughs> so I felt like that. <laughs> and so you're off to the Navy and now you're at boot camp. What was boot camp like for you? Oh man, boot camp um it was fun. I, I mean, I am not like, well, back in, back at that time, you know, 18, 19, life wasn't much to me. It didn't mean much. It was, you know, you're such a risk taker. And so everything, you know, I did at that time, it, it didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. So who cared about how many times I got dropped, how many times I got showered, you know, how many times they made it rain because of something I did. It really didn't matter to me. That stuff was kind of fun because I started seeing my body, you know, like go from blah to blah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> I just need to do some push-ups and some sit-ups. Right, that's what's under there. Yeah, (laughs) right. Let me see about these other abs over here on this side. Right. That's kind of how I looked at things. I had great RDCs. I still Mm -hmm. talk to and I communicate with one of my RDCs now. That's beautiful. Um, Yeah, so he tells me all the time how I was like his best recruit and I always kept him on his toes. And it was never a dull moment around me. Uh, when he when he was you know on shift, so um, I would say overall the the experience itself, um, I think I liked the part where we had to run battle stations the most mm-hmm. um, because I ended up getting asthma and I don't know what I got asthma for. I think I broke my ankle or hurt my ankle. So I had oh, to leave no. my division, go somewhere else and recover. Yeah, that was terrible. That was that the only does bad sound thing. terrible. But it worked out in the end because um, I w- ended up with an, a majority all-male division. I think it was me and maybe three other women mm-hmm. at the time. And so they kind of catered to us when we were <laughs> the battle stations. So you know how you have to carry that sea bag with all the uh, swim gear in it and it's like river heavy? Yeah, they, we didn't mm-hmm. do all that. They took it from us and said, no, we got it. You guys just run. <laughs> and we set the pace. And so, you know, of course, there were some guys that were a little mad because we were bum tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, my boot camp experience, I, I did not have any complaints. I didn't, you know, experience um, a bad time in Great Lakes besides the snow and the cold because I I didn't leave until December so I was there at a very bad time weather-wise but outside of that yeah if it was still the same I'd probably do it over not (laughs) I'm done done with that (laughs) Um, yeah I went during I so I went through the holidays I left in November 20th And then I went through Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and I planned it that way because I was like, well, I know that it's going to be cold. I underestimated the cold in Chicago, though, because I was from Pennsylvania. So I was like, well, it's winter. Mm -mm. (laughs) Chicago winter is different. (laughs) And it's Arctic. (laughs) 
and windy. Yes. Oh my God. And yes. so I underestimated that. But the other part was smart because then we had a lot of time off for the holidays. Mm. And so I really got to chill a lot and get to know the girls more because we had more downtime because it was, and, and, and our, we, they were still called CCs when I was going through. Okay. So our CCs, our company commanders were, were really chill through the holidays, right? Cause it's the holidays. You're in right, a good right. mood. So that was the plan and it, it worked really well, okay. but I did underestimate the cold. So mm. yeah, that yeah, was I, a rude awakening. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the cold cause I'm a Southerner, mm-hmm. you know, grew up, born and raised in Alabama. And so going up to Great Lakes, it's like, what in the world did I just come into? Yeah. Mm-mm. I wasn't ready for that. But outside of that, I mean, you know, boot camp was fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I had some really good moments in boot camp myself. I can't <laughs> complain. Right. Um, so after boot camp, what happened next? Tell me about your military experience. Oh, man. Um, after boot camp, I was shipped off to a training squadron. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was BT-31 in Corpus Christi, Texas. And um, I, I, to this day, still think I should have gone to sea duty instead of going to shore duty uh, mm-hmm. first because it spoiled me rotten. And um, by the time I got to a ship... You know, even though it was a small boy, I, I was on uh, the USS Barry. Um, after that, it was like a culture shock. And oh, it was wow. like, oh, my gosh, they didn't prepare me for this. You know, yeah, we lived in ships and boot camp, but it wasn't a ship. Mm-hmm. It was a building. Right. And so, you know, that was very similar to living out in town and being on your own in an apartment. And, you know, it kind of just out that it was in that persona. So going from shore duty to sea duty, it was a shock for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a little while to get adjusted to it. Uh, but by the time I got to the carrier, the true man, I was ready. It was like sea duty couldn't do anything to me. You know what you got. Um, <laughs> and then my last duty station uh, where I ended up uh, separating from was Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, uh, where wow. I did um, detaining ops there. So I chose that because I was tired of going out to sea. Um, and I just wanted something different. Mm-hmm. And being a, a PS at the time, you know, we're paper pushers. And so they was like, you know, we'll go down there and do the tiny op. She'll get to do this. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll go do it. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> it was, what was that like? It was an experience, I will say. Um, I mean, you're on an island. You're secluded. You are restricted where you could go. You know, I couldn't even go into... Um, Cuba itself, you know, to mm-hmm. actually explore and things like that. We yeah. were confined to the base. Um, and so the only time I could get off the base was when I went to r and um, which I was eligible to do that twice while I was there um, over the 18-month period. Um, I enjoyed the training part that, you know, prepared you to go to Cuba. But that was, you know... That was it. I, I said, yeah, I'm done. Um, the tiny ops was just different. I need to stick to my paper because uh, this lifestyle is not for me. That's for police officers and y'all got it. Hats off to y'all. I'm done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. It sounds kind of like, I don't know, a prison. <laughs> like, That's exactly like being was. trapped on a base. I had um, another, another uh, guest come on. Uh, Angie, she was episode uh, one of season two, and she was on this little base in Korea, and it was in a hostile environment, and she couldn't leave the base. 
And it was like months and months of just being trapped on this base that was like horrible. But like she was trapped on a base with horrible people too, mm. which made it all also worse. Mm. So, but I just can't imagine that because I was shore duty the entire time. Oh, and lucky yeah, I know. You. Well, <laughs> it was when I served is what happened. And Bill Clinton was in office. And since he decreased spending for defense, right. it was easier. And I was at a strict base because I was, I then stationed after boot camp at Great Lakes and a school. Mm-hmm. So no one wanted to go there because it was the only training base and it was really strict because you know that we had to set an example for the new recruits. Right. Mm-hmm. So being that no one wanted to go there anyway, and I was already a body in a spot, you know, I ended up just having to stay, which was like the bane of my existence because all I wanted to do was go on a boat see the world so yeah yeah but I mean I count myself lucky though because everybody I talk to about going on the ship there's like good and bad aspects of it so much work and all of that so I now count myself spoiled by having shore command the entire time because I just lived in an apartment it was just like going to work and going right. home and like doing whatever. It was not really like maybe a full military experience. Now <laughs> that I, I talk to more people that have gone out, out to sea and have deployed. So, yeah, well, you did, you did what you needed to do for the, for the mission and the sake of the constitution. So it was a right. military experience. Yes. I won't it let was. you downplay that. <laughs> oh, thanks girl. You served. That's <laughs> um, right. Whether you were on the ship or not. And I would say too, you know, yeah, that is one of the things again, that I wish I would have been introduced to first uh, mm-hmm. in the beginning of my military career was going out to sea and going on deployments. When I tell you that makes you a different person, mm-hmm. your mentality is different. I'm going into the different countries to get to see how, you know, people live, but also making the best out of the time that you're in port um, across the water. You know, it it, it just kind of couples together, but it makes you have a little bit more of, a, of a, an appreciation for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just remember going to Toulon, France and, I was like, um, okay, uh, what's this? It, I mean, it was why it was just so um, it was muggy. It was a little nasty, oh you my. know. I, I was like, yeah, I'm, no. I, I we were in port for three days. I left the ship. I didn't have um, to stand watch any of those days I was there because we were like in four section duty at the time. So, and I happened to be duty section four. So I never had to stand watch while we were there. So I had liberty all three days. I only went off the ship one day and that was the first day we pulled in because I could not take the smell. Um, and I tried this famous um, smash sandwich that they have. So I was like, mm-hmm. they put all the meat, the fries and the sauces all on one thing. And, you know, you have that. And I was like, what, what is this? Just give oh, me. Man, it sounds like it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was supposed to be good. But I guess my taste buds was burnt by the <laughs> smell and everything else. And I was like, oh, it's trash on the side of the road. I can't eat this stuff. Wow. Yeah. It was it was different, but I mean, outside of that, you know, um, deployments are what you make them. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed all my deployments. Um, I even enjoyed the time we were out to sea for ninety two days straight. Goodness, I well, I, if I could enjoy that. that. <laughs> I I don't know how I did it, but I did. <laughs> yeah, I think you just make the best of it. Actually, you I do. think. You know I mean, when you're in the in the military. 
you and no matter what branch you're in, when you get an assignment, you you make you have to make mm-hmm. the best out of it, and you you do what you got to do because you don't have a choice. Right. And the only option is really to just enjoy it as much as you can or be miserable. It's a choice. Right. So knowing me, I would choose to make the most of it and have as much fun as I can, no matter where I am or what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, I feel that. That's exactly what I did. And I think that's probably why people kind of envy me so much because I, I never took things to heart. And you know how you just have shipmates that complain all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, just shut up and do it. You know what I'm like? Yeah, suck it up. <laughs> exactly. We were famous for saying that. Suck it up, buttercup. That's right. <laughs> I say that to my kids. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They look at me like I'm crazy. I'm uh-huh. like, no. They're like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Thanks, mom. That's my kid, my 13-year-old. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just look at me like, okay, you crazy. Crazy. <laughs> you certified. Yeah, so it was good times. No, that sounds really cool though. I I think that I probably would have enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So tell me, did you face any obstacles while you were serving? Um, you know, I did not face anything that was egregious. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's good. It, it was smooth sailing. You know, the the only thing I think that uh, was a negative and in my opinion, uh, would be when you are placed in charge and you have men under you, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was a second class petty officer and Mm -hmm. I was given so much authority and uh, and responsibility Mm -hmm. that a lot of people didn't understand why, you know, um, I'm a stickler that some people look at me and, you know, consider me to be a a Josephine Navy. And um, (laughs) I was by the book. And so I couldn't get too much past me and, and try to do things. So if I'm, you know, placed with something to do, I'm going to make sure it's done and it's done efficiently. And I think that me receiving so much feedback um, from not the women that served, it was the men, you know, mm-hmm. that they had that problem taking orders from a woman mm-hmm. and I wasn't high on the tower. I wasn't the first class. I wasn't a chief. You know, I'm a, right. I'm a second class petty officer running, running this shift. Like, you know, the chief would, mm-hmm. you know, do his first class. And so I think that's probably why a lot of them resented me that were in my department. Um, but when it was time for me to leave, you know, and transfer, things change oh you know siler mm-hmm. this and siler that and yes you know so it's like well what was all that when we were serving together <laughs> well, <laughs> right. wow, they've got to come out now so i think that's kind of like the biggest part that i had to deal with that was kind of like my first introduction to working with men mm-hmm. and taking on their persona and not letting it affect me in fact i think it made me much more hardcore right um, well it has to yeah it's sink or swim it, it, in exactly. that environment exactly mm-hmm. especially when you're out to sea and you're mm-hmm. out there with a bunch of men and you're outnumbered you know mm-hmm. you got to stand your ground and you can't let them walk over you and and i took that piece out of my military into my lifestyle now i just have a switch for it now but in the military i didn't have so much of a switch you know it was mm-hmm. it was constantly on and um i really didn't care you know what the feedback was like i didn't care what people would complain about and, you know, do what you got to do. My chief had my back 
and she was also a black woman. And nice. um, so she, if she, you know, said, no, nah, Sasha, take care of this, she knew I would get it done. Mm-hmm. If she gave that to someone else, it would not be done as efficiently as I would do it. And so um, she never had to worry. She could go and leave. I was in charge of the whole division. Who wow. does that? That's you know, <laughs> that's incredible. So yeah, it was, it was, that had to have been like the hardest thing to adjust to and not let it affect you um, to the point where, you know, they can see that they got you. Mm-hmm. And I never played like, I never play games like that. You'll never see me at my weakest point. Right. Um, you let see, them see you sweat. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, that's, that's the things that I live by today. So I thank the military for that part. <laughs> so, okay. So when you were in that situation where you were having to deal with the guys, not wanting to respect your authority, how did you overcome that obstacle? Was it just going within and going, you know what, even though this is bothering me and upsetting me, I'm not going to show it. Or did you have some strategies that you would employ to just get around their, you know, discontent? How did you manage those situations? I would say my level of dealing with it was probably different than, than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't stoop to that level, but I kind of gave them what they gave me. So Mm -hmm. if you gave me your butt cheek to kiss, I had no problem giving you both of mine to kiss. Right. And, you know, walking around with my head up high and, you know, not really caring about your thoughts. When And I learned that when you show that you don't care and the job still gets done, that that puts off a, a different aura about you mm-hmm. um, and how you actually maneuver and operate in your own being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that was my way of dealing with it. I don't think any other person probably would deal with it like that. Um, I love that. <laughs> I do. I do. I love that because it just sounds like you took control of your energy. You didn't absorb their negative energy. You just kept your head up high and you just did your thing. And I think that's wonderful advice because so many women right now, which is why I asked the question, so many women have worked or are working in situations where they have to be a leader and they have to be in charge of men, especially in the military, even today. And it's still kind of a man's world and you still have to deal with those personality types. And I thought it was really impressive of how you managed to get through that and that it would be a benefit for other women to hear what you did. And it just is hold your head up high, you know, control your energy. Don't let them get to you and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Do what you got to do. I love that. Yep. Pretty much. That's what it was. Um, You just can't, you can't let them see you down. You know, we, we already have it hard because we're women, but then when you're Mm -hmm. in an environment with nothing but men, it's Mm -hmm. like times 12, the pressure. Right. But I get high off stuff like that. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you held it down. So, so, okay. So tell me, you went to Guantanamo and that's where you finished your career. Why did you get out of the military? Oh, man. Um, so I ended up losing my dependent care. My husband and I were uh, both active duty military. And, you know, you got to keep a up-to-date dependent care certificate. And so mm-hmm. um, the individual that I had listed on there as uh, both 
30 days and greater than 30 days deployments. Uh, she said that she could no longer do it due to her own uh, personal lifestyle. It just would not allow her mm-hmm. to be available as much as I was gone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my husband and I, we, you know, talked about it and, you know, I said it would probably be, be more beneficial for me to submit my, um, a separation package of convenience of the government uh, for parenthood purposes, because I, we, neither one of us had the family members that could provide us the care we would need in either situation. Mm-hmm. And um, our kids were young, so we couldn't leave them home, you know, by themselves. And was, we're just not parents like that. And so right. we ended up, you know, filing and, um, they came back and I was the one who uh, was actually given the okay to go ahead and separate and then maintain my husband. So it was that coupled with um, when I came home from Gitmo on the second r and um, my son, he was three at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, the next time you come home, you're never leaving again. You know, he asked me that question. And so I looked at him and I was like, yeah, well, where does this kid come from? You know, mm-hmm. to ask that, you know, and, and you see the impact of your absence in your child. Yeah. And so you, you just have to suck it up and do what you got to do. And yeah. I think that was right at the middle of the, um, the filing of the convenience of the government separation where my husband and I were kind of thinking like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And, um, I'm like, well, they offer BAH, so I'm just going to get out and go to school. We'll have some kind of money coming in here mm-hmm. um, and, and it not just be solely on my husband, but at least it will make one of us available for the kids. Yeah. And so um, it, it worked out. <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy, um, but all of it was surrounding, you know, a child care issue. Um, do, I, do I feel bad that I had to get out? No. Mm-hmm. Um, most women, you know, they carry that with them. Oh, I had to get out of the military. I had to stop my military career for my kids. Think about that. You yeah, know, no. No there's no, to me. <laughs> that, exactly. Um, you know, there's nothing that would be able to come over, um, uh, my kids, especially when it's dealing with the military. Um, you know, if I got, I got to do what I got to do. I got to leave. I got to leave. If I got to get out, I got to get out. And I just got to find my way. And um, I've been out 11 years now. So um, I haven't had a regret. I haven't wanted to go back in the military. In fact, Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of the best scenario that happened for us. And my husband is also out too. So I got out in 2010 and then he's he got out in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did those extra two years. It kind of felt good to be a dependent, though, you know. <laughs> Different. <laughs> He's I'm like, sure. yes, yes. <laughs> I got to feel that whole military spouse thing here. <laughs> yeah, I always imagine um, that it was nice uh, to an extent, except when your husband extent. deployed for like three years in Afghanistan yes. and you've got five kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> then it gets a little difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so did you feel prepared for? your transition out what was your transition out like absolutely not I was not prepared um (laughs) (laughs) which is which is what kicked off my business Mm -hmm. um, because I knew I wasn't prepared there were so many things that I overlooked 
when I got out of the military, keeping in mind I was a personnelman. So everything I did was paper driven, research driven. Mm -hmm. And I failed to do that for myself. Um, My only thing that I was geared towards at the time of separation was making sure my GI bill kicked in so I could get my BAH every month. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to school to get my bachelor's. That was it. Everything up benefit wise, all the stuff that was available, you know, I didn't care about all that. Not until probably about my third, maybe fourth year out of the military. And you start, you know, talking to other veterans and you're like, oh, for real, that's out there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Into this. I would be the person you were talking to. <laughs> like, girl, did, did you get this? Did you do that? <laughs> I hey, when you know better, you do better. Right. And so that's me now. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? The VA came out with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Big know, time. so. I learned a lot from that part, you know, and so, Mm -hmm. and I know if I went through it, then how many people are going through it now still? Mm -hmm. And so that led you into your business. Tell me, tell me everything about your business. Absolutely. So um, the business is geared towards uh, educating transition military and veterans on developing marketable resumes without the use of military jargon. Uh, The reason why I started doing that is because as a civilian in the federal government, I was able to sit on panels while I was rating um, applications and looking at resumes. And I like this is 100% real right now. <laughs> um, I was seeing military jargon like bulkhead, the word bulkhead in somebody's really? resume. Yeah. Um, yeah, legit. And so I was like, who, if, unless you're proud military, mm-hmm. you don't know what a bulkhead is. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> the language is different. I say it all the time. You get yes. out and you're like, you speak a completely different language and you have yes. to learn how to assimilate back into that civilian world. And people don't think about the mm-hmm. impact of a resume and what you're going to write on it. You can't use military language on no. that. No. So I totally feel that. I, I experienced that learning process on my own. After I got out, yeah, it, and it's um, it's it's a curve that we aren't taught to go around mm-hmm. in taps. You know, we're given all these resources to go and do research, but everybody is not going to research the same, and not everyone is going to interpret the same. So I tend to pose myself to be that person who can interpret in a manner in which I know my veterans and those who are getting out would understand mm-hmm. without coming with the confusion and all the, you know, talking above the head, keep it simple, right. you know? And so that's what I do in my business. The same way you and I are talking right now is the same way I talk to my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I want them that. to feel displaced. I don't want them to feel out of place. Um, I don't want them to feel like, you know, I'm such a guru because I'm an HR specialist that, I'm better than them. No, mm-hmm. I'm right here with you. You know, I'm going a, I'm to a run this marathon with you so long as you are willing to give 100%. I, I just need that part from them. And I just, I gathered, you know, everything I need and walk them through the process. And the outcome is either they are going to get forwarded for the interview or they are going mm-hmm. to um, get the interview invite or they're going to get a job offer. You know, everything is a step. 
um, process. And so I kind of look at it like that. If I can get them from no um, hiring officials to one hiring official, I have been successful and I know that my methods work. Um, I, I really get, you know, turned up when they actually get the job <laughs> and it's the job they want. That. You know, that part. That must like, feel amazing. Yes. <laughs> it does. It does. And, you you know, I think one of the things that really drives me in my business is coming across individuals who have the willpower to write their own resume, but they're stuck and mm -hmm. they have so much experience. I mean, I'm talking about master chiefs who have 20 plus years of experience but they don't know what they need to use for that position. And right. I, I get right. so like, yes, yes, let's, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you. I got you. <laughs> so, and I have to calm yeah. myself down because that's, I love to teach. I love to mm -hmm. educate. Uh, and so that part there is where I like to show people, here's how you pull out relevant experience. Here's how you talk to the need of the vacancy and not talking about everything you've done in the past that was a mm -hmm. duty that has nothing to do with where you're trying to go. Right. Uh, so it's more than just resume writing. It's consulting all day long. Uh, and then we get into, you know, developing the resume. But I have to figure out, you know, where it is my clients are trying to go and why. It mm -hmm. has to make sense. You know, it just can't be for the money because money doesn't run everything um, or it shouldn't. Um, but people tend to look at that dollar sign, not thinking about, the responsibilities that come with that position. Um, and if they can really handle it, you know, especially after getting out of the military, you, sometimes you just don't want to deal with the uproar. You want something laid back. And so when you talk about it and you, you start looking at different experiences they have, and it's like, yeah, you can do that, but here's how. <laughs> Let me help you. Mm -hmm. and apply, and then they say, you know, they're happy. So I'm happy too. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. I know that everybody could get a lot of benefit out of that who are looking for jobs and that would be wonderful. Absolutely. So, so we've heard about your business and how awesome it is. What else are you doing nowadays? Um, so and I, I consider it to be a hobby, um, but for the past, I'm going on five years, year 2020 will be five years um, that I have been hosting a natural hair event in my hometown of Troy, Alabama. And um, so thank you. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how I'm going to incorporate this baby with it next year. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm in the planning phase and I'm like, ah, oh, the baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, baby. But, <laughs> hmm, but I have a, a team, you know, my husband, my mom, my sister, my aunt, you know, that's the one thing I like about it because it is in my hometown. I have family that can actually come and um, assist where needed. And they've all been a great support in following me and this crazy idea I have about bringing this some type of event like this to my hometown and, um, you know, trying to bring in different products uh, that are not normally seen in the convenience stores that are there in the Walmarts that's there. No, mm -hmm. try to get products that they would not normally hear about and, and send them home with samples or even full sizes. You know, um, that's what that is about. And I also uh, bring in a certified natural hairstylist to do an educational part. 
So really nice. It 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 really is. I mean, I learn a lot, and I I have a love for hair. I think I was probably like my calling, but I left it and went to the military. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But um, when you hear all of the new things that are happening with hair, Mm -hmm. not just natural hair, but just hair in general, yeah, wow, times have changed. You know, when I was going through cosmetology school, we didn't do that. (laughs) Right, It's, it's totally different. Um, so yeah, next year will be our fifth year. The event is called Naturals in Troy, and uh, it's also that we also have a um, event page on Instagram and uh, Facebook there. And so we are open now to uh, get vendors to um, have sponsors, and I, the sponsors can be anything. I mean, it's so many people going into to small business ownership now that I use it as a platform to where. People can advertise their business through my event to all of my attendees. Uh, mm-hmm. The more exposure you get, the better off your business will be. Because nine times out of ten, somebody doesn't know you or your business exists. Um, so it's a lot of different parts that happen um, or the, that's purposeful uh, for that event. Um, so that's the one thing. And then uh, another thing that I just joined, what, October October last year, yeah, October last year, um, I became an active member of a military sorority, uh, Afghan oh. guy. Tell me more. Sorority, <laughs> you guys. Yes. Um, so Afghan we are a premier organization who um, encompasses all of our, uh, I would say, our characteristics and our abilities to go into the veteran and trans and military communities. And we provide service. Uh, We are driven off community service. And so, um, but it has to be, you know, within the veteran and military community, we get to do our own thing, but we, we are headstrong about being present in the veteran and military communities. Um, We are comprised of active duty members, uh, veterans, uh, those who, um, are may have been a part of ROTC, uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's a bunch of us that are together, uh, women serving together, still being able to give back to the communities that we came from, and I think that is a a very good feeling. Um, so much so that I became the Southeast Regional Director. Wow! So I have um, about seven states under my purview and uh, my thing is 100% community service you know the more we we are seen in the community the more people know about us Um, but not even so much as know about us but we are out there helping helping others alike and so um, it's a beautiful thing to just be around other veterans and you're like Oh yeah, that felt good. You know, you go yes, home happy. <laughs> Just like after this, I'm gonna be so happy. I'm gonna be high on life <laughs> after this interview because connecting with my veteran sisters is just like one of the great joys of my life. Right. So it's always an honor. It's always a privilege to have one of you come and hang out with me for an hour, two hours, and we just talk stories and and give back to our community and build this Mm. sisterhood, you know? So I get that feeling. I know how you feel. It is amazing. And I am so thrilled that that's what you're doing. It sounds really cool. 
It, it is. And it, the sisterhood is very strong. You know, um, we're actually accepting applications now. Um, you know, so afagamazai.org is the website. Uh, feel free to go in there. You'll see our pretty, pretty colors up there. Our Kelly green. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, um, that, Fandom me to it was the colors. They're so bold. Mm -hmm. And whenever you see bold colors, it's like, what they doing over there? I need to go <laughs> research that, you know? That's yeah. what captured me. And then when you really get in and you get to see what everything is about, you know, we're built on service, we're built on sisterhood. But most importantly, I think it's just giving back um, mm -hmm. that has everybody still going full blast the way we are. Absolutely. I love that. That sounds amazing. I'm going to consider filling out my application. Um, everybody <laughs> check that out. I will put all of Alicia's information in the show notes in the description box so that you can find her. And speaking of finding you before we, I got one more question for you and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Tell us where you can be found. Where can we find all of your, your information? Okay, um, so on Instagram, I'm on Instagram as A D Brown Consults. That's C O N S U L T S. Um, I am the same on Facebook, A D Brown Consults, and the website is www.alicia. That's A L I S H A D Brown dot com. The email address is info at alicia d brown dot com, and I think that's it. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Awesome. So now you know where to find her and you heard earlier where to apply to be a part of the sorority. And my final question for you is mm -hmm. what advice do you have for us that, that will help one of your veteran sisters thrive in life? Oh man, I can only give one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, and this, this comes from working with many clients over the last two years, the number one thing I have seen is be patient with yourself mm -hmm. and trust the process. So I know that's like two things. We have to be patient with ourselves as women. We mm -hmm. are so impatient. We want things when we want it, how we want it. And we don't care what we got to do to get it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And yes, I said, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But when you tend to rush through things, you will probably miss some significant parts that you need to cover. And it's okay to get frustrated. It's okay to, you know, get upset. Don't give up. Just reset and start over. So I would say be patient with yourself and trust the process. Everything will work. Whatever you set your goals to be, the process, it will work. But you have to do the work to make it work. So that would be my advice. And that is brilliant at advice at that. So thank you so much for sharing it. Yes. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. I am going to thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on here with me, spending some time talking stories and just hanging out with the Female Veterans Podcast. No, problem. thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much, Kia, for having me. And you know what, you guys, I just have to thank you as always for coming on this journey with me and for being a part of this sisterhood. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. And I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>